0: Support this podcast and keep us going. Go to everydaynovelist.com support to join up.
1: Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to... The Questions, Episode 957 Since NaNoWriMo is bearing down upon us like a wind and snow blizzard out of the west that will undoubtedly bury me halfway through the novel, I'm optimistic.
0: You just want to live down from ten.
1: No, I want to live the shining. <laughs> God, but if we had a snow cat, wouldn't that be amazing? Anyway, um, <laughs> as NaNoWriMo bears down upon us rapidly, we have a question from Roland. Welcome back, Roland. We haven't heard from you in a while. Roland asks
0: I think it would be helpful to many listeners to hear some of the different ways to prepare for NaNoWriMo, such as. How much do you need to prepare your story before NaNo, if at all? And how do you find or make the time to write 1,666 words per day? Make a deal with the devil. Um,
1: <laughs> is that part of the question or is that your answer?
0: That, that's my answer. 1,666.
1: Oh, words, yeah. Deal with the devil. I think it actually comes up to 1667 because there's a few oddballs in there. So, But, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Well, the way that I prep for nano is I spend a couple of good solid months thinking about the book I'm going to write and marinating in the concept. And then I sit down and I write the first page and then I throw it away and I start a completely different book. I haven't thought out thought about it all from scratch. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? It's true. You can go back and listen to the last couple nano gangs. You'll notice the first, the beginning of the month. I'm working on more than, I'm either working on a different book than I finished working on, or I'm working on more than one book, and then one of them takes the lead. I don't know why it works out that way, but it does. Um, some people sketch out outlines. Some people do uh, treatments. What, what's known in the screen trade as treatments, which is where you basically write like a two page account. Of the book that you're thinking about writing, if you uh, look online for J.R.R. R. Mar- J.R.R. R., oh God, G. George R. R. Martin's treatment for Game of Thrones, you'll be able to see what this kind of thing looks like. Okay, and that one's easy to find; it's floating around everywhere. And uh, notice how little resemblance it bears to what he actually wound up writing, uh, beyond the first uh, volume or so. But um, the lovely thing about treatments is that they really help focus your mind down onto what the essential story is. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't really. The difference between a story and a pile of words a story says because A happened, B happened, but C then happened, therefore D happened. Mm -hmm. whereas a mere sequence of events the kind of is the kind of story you get out of a kindergartner well i went to school and then there was this class and then after that we had lunch and then and it's just a listing of the events in order and that's not plot people mistake that for plot it's just a sequence of events it's not a story a story is concerned with causality and reversal um so because then, because therefore, but are your three words mm-hmm. that connect the different things. So, if you can write out a one or two page treatment of a story that you intend to write, that will help focus your mind down onto getting into the story. I would discourage doing beat for beat outlines because doing beat for beat outlines, doing beat for beat outlines in encourages you to get into the and then, and then, and then headspace. And you want to be in the because, therefore, but headspace. And yes, I am stealing that from uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker's writing course because that is the best way I've ever heard it put. Um, what would you say to people who want to prep for
0: NaNoWriMo? Well, this year I'm going to be doing an outline because I have a very specific thing that I am trying to Fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am doing a retelling of a story.
1: You're doing the do-over story, or are you doing something else?
0: I'm doing a retelling of a story. Oh, okay. So um, the story already exists, so I'm going to tell it better.
1: Like an old classic type of thing? Retelling an old
0: classic? I'm writing fan fiction. Oh, oh, oh you're writing fan fiction. Okay. Yes, but long cool. epic instead of like short little... One notes. Gotcha. Um, So I have in my head some of the main um, points that I want to keep in continuity and how I want to get there and where I want to go from there. So I'm going to do that kind of an outline. Cool. Um, I would concur with not doing a beat for beat outline, mostly because I'm the kind of person that if I do a beat for beat and a complete total outline, I will be stuck. Because I've already told the story and um, there's no discovery and then I just have to connect (laughs) all the things and I will feel stuck with the outline that I have.
1: Mm, And you won't feel free to improvise and change.
0: (laughs) So I, I think it's kind of up to you and what you're kind of what you're trying to do
1: Mm. if you are doing something tightly plotted and i have done stuff that's tightly plotted before that required almost beat for beat outlines the thing that makes them work is they have to have the story logic um if the story logic isn't there the plot so-called is meaningless Mm -hmm. and if you just write out the events you think would be cool without really any thought about why they're there or how they connect Mm -hmm. then either the story is going to be dead when you start writing it, or if you're one of those very rare people, you're going to be able to play Connect the Dots. But in my experience, most people who play Connect the Dots do their best work when they're free to shuffle the dots around. Mm -hmm. And uh, as the story unfolds, you may decide that something you expected to go late in the book is going to go early and things like that. Mm -hmm. And if you are the kind of person who writes... Okay, so there's two other kinds of people. I was actually having an argument with uh, Travis Corcoran about this recently because he's very aspie and does things in a way that is specific. He's got a creative process that's absolutely suited to a programmer. He writes himself a proposal that details the themes that he's interested in exploring, and the gimmicks that he wants to incorporate, and that sort of thing. And then he writes a outline, like you would write for a term paper, with notes about how different things connect to the theme, etc., if he knows what the theme is well enough to articulate it. And then he writes a rough draft of the story, basically straight through. And then he reads it back through and aggressively cuts out anything that doesn't reinforce the themes he cares about. He looks for plot logic. He gets all the way done, takes him forever. And then he goes through and he re and then he applies all his notes as a second draft. And then he does that whole thing a third time. And so that he's construct. So for Travis, building a book is like constructing a ship. Um, And it works for him because he's a programmer and that's how his mind works. For me, the... uh, So, he and I are on opposite sides of a very long spectrum. And for me, what I'm looking for is an emotional flavor. I might have a title I'm working from. I might have a scene that's caught my interest. I might have an idea. But what... I have to have in order to get going is an emotional flavor. The opening scene is everything for me. And it's not because the scene has to be perfect or even good. It's that the scene has to capture the flavor that I want to be cooking with. Once I've got that flavor, I can run with it and I unpack it. I find that in the books that I write this way... Everything about the book winds up being implicit in the first chapter. Even if I don't know it, even if I couldn't have predicted it, everything that comes comes as a natural consequence of something that's in that first chapter. And this is why I'll bounce back to the first chapter and reread it periodically as I'm writing. Um... And then I also, every day when I start writing, I go back and I read through the last chapter or so's worth of stuff that I've written. Because what I'm doing is I'm I'm descending into the bud of the flower that I am attempting to unfold. And then, once I've got the flavor and the situation that the dish that I'm cooking is in, I basically just let the music play and I transcribe it as it plays out in my head. Um, that's the extreme other end of the creative process spectrum, but in both cases, and in the cases of the people who I've known who are in the middle, the result or the aim is often the same. Um, you're wanting to create a symphony that has a structure that will compel the reader to read it. And, um, will at least entertain them while they're doing it and will at most or at best linger on the mind, linger on the emotional palate and um, make it an experience that they don't forget and or want to repeat. So wherever your creative process lies along that continuum, you what, you want to do the kind of prep that will put you in a position where when you sit down that first day, you can just write. And if you've got the prep done right and you can sufficiently declench, which is the other trick, and that, that's the one that we work, we all of us work hard to remember, to learn again how to do periodically because clenching up is something that our minds love to do. And you declench. Getting 1,600 words in a day is not difficult and, you know unless you're fighting chronic migraines or other stuff like that where you actually have the process itself of writing is painful getting yourself to the point where you're prepped and you're declenched 1600 words a day is basically dead easy yeah over as, on average you'll have some days when you're dry and you'll have some days when you do for 3, 4, 5,000 words um the uh Now, granted, it's nonfiction, but it was creative nonfiction. On um, a recent plane trip, uh, while I was waiting in the terminal, I pulled out my writing computer and I wrote a 5,000-word bonus chapter for The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I just started writing it because I had been thinking all month during the uh, campaign that I needed to do a good bonus chapter that did good value for money. And I had been contemplating a lot of ways that that could uh, that it could um, expand and enrich what I had already written for Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, And so when I sat down to write it, once I got the first sentence, and that did take about 20 minutes, the rest of the 5,000 words came in about an hour and a half while I was sitting there at the airport waiting for the time I had to check in for my flight. So... That's what you got. Now, how do you carve out time to do the 1600 words? Well, it depends on how much time you need. Um, you can set aside a given time every day when you're going to write, and you do those hours no matter what. You can steal time across the day. Part of the point of the nanorimo exercise is to experiment with ways to make yourself manage time well. So that you can actually do the challenge. Um, If you've got kids that need your attention and they go to bed at a certain time, your writing time may be after bedtime or before wake up time. If you've got a job that's really demanding, lunch break might be all you've got. Um, It's going to depend a lot on on the intersection of your life circumstances and the way that your creative mind works. You want to be doing, when you're not at that keyboard, you want to be doing all the work you can in your head to put yourself in a creative headspace, to aesthetically enrich your mental life, to fill up your mythological soul, so to speak, so that when you sit down at the keyboard, you have stuff that's aching to get out. Now, there will be days when it's like squeezing blood from a stone but you don't want those to be most of the days. The goal of your process ought to be finding ways to make the process of getting the words on the page less arduous and painful so that the scheduling part of the challenge becomes the least difficult thing because the time it takes shrinks.
0: I'm going to echo what NaNoWriMo is about, finding what works for you, what gets you to the writing desk, what cr- what creates your output and making the writing process be everyday and normal rather than some special hill to overcome. Mm -hmm. In terms of what you can do to prepare beforehand, warn your immediate family members (laughs) that you're going to be gone for an hour a day or you're going to be running off to the keyboard whenever you have a spare moment.
1: As my mother used to say when she wanted time alone and threw us all out of the house, she said, if it's not broken or bleeding, I don't care, and I don't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, she grew up in the Amazon jungle, literally, and so her f- threshold for what is worth interrupting me for literally was my arm has been bitten off by an alligator. Um, or, sorry, sorry, Mom, a caiman. Because
0: <laughs> it's, it's a
1: subspecies of alligator, but she gets really, really touchy about that because they're not Florida alligators. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Amazon chauvinism it doesn't just happen doesn't just happen at the Seattle based company i tell you uh, <laughs> but uh, having having that kind of uh, willingness to defend your turf so that you can have a bubble around that writing desk that lets you concentrate creatively and doesn't joggle your elbow is really important yeah Thank you very much for the question, Roland. I hope it was helpful to you and everybody else listening because this nano is going to be a hell of a challenge for me to even get a working keyboard, well, a working computer for. So, uh, it's. I'm hoping to be able to share the challenge with you, and I hope that your challenges are less than mine. But, however challenging or not it is, we shall overcome. And I. Is it the tune? We shall overcome. I don't actually know if that's the tune because I wasn't that into '60s protest songs because they happened a decade before I was born. But hey, we'll see you tomorrow.